0: In what many are calling the patent trial of the century, a California federal grand jury late last week decided in favor of Apple in a patent infringement lawsuit against Samsung. To discuss the key issues of the case, knowledge at Wharton turned to Wharton Management Professor David Hsu and Wharton Legal Studies and Business Ethics Professor Andrea Matwishan. Shu discussed the case's impact on innovation as it relates to design and creativity, In a separate interview immediately following, Matwishan talked about how the suit impacts the patent system and the way patent law is used in this country. Um, So David, first of all, could you talk to us a little bit about who are some of the key winners and losers from this decision?
1: Well, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Apple uh, is is the clear winner here. And uh, the device makers on the Android system are the ones who are going to be scrambling and trying to figure out uh, what areas they're gonna have to retrofit or even redesign. Um, Of of course, Google is the kind of company lurking in the background that isn't being attacked directly, but uh, it's getting closer. And so I think as part of this uh, decision and my interpretation of why Apple was so insistent on kind of pursuing this to the end is because they Feel strongly that the design elements, in conjunction with the functional elements of their products, really make the user experience, and want to want to protect that. And as a result, I think that the likes of Samsung, HTC, of course, Motorola Mobility is owned by Google, and so that the the, the largest handset makers on the Android platform are the ones who will be. Uh, trying to figure out their next moves.
0: Now, are there other winners besides Apple? I know there's been some discussion that I've read about um, Microsoft and Nokia, possibly.
1: Yeah, I think that, that that may be true in that this opens up the landscape of competition beyond just the functionality. Now, maybe it would be useful to take one step back and to analyze the patents that were under dispute here. Uh, a number of them were on the design side. So it's not protecting the functionality of the innovation, but rather the uh, the packaging um, of it. And then a few of the others did not go to the core of the operating system, but were uh, about some of the more design-oriented features, the bounce back, the array of the icons on the grid, et cetera. And, and so... I think what's going to be important here, I interpret it as strengthening of design patents. Before it was the case that if you were a furniture designer and came up with uh, an innovative design, that doesn't necessarily stop competitors from coming in and marketing themselves as a Eames-like chair or a, uh, some other type of, uh, of competitor, so long as they were clear that they were not the, the genuine product. Here, what seems to be going on is that there seems to be a broadening of the protection of the design elements. And so this, I think, broadens the landscape for how companies, electronic companies, fashion design companies will seek to pursue their uh, protection of their creative efforts, their intellectual property. And so I think you have in mind more the what are the implications for the direct competitors in the handset space? And surely that will play out in terms of uh, acquiring patents, as we've seen that over the last two years or so. Lots of interest in trying to acquire uh, whole kind of patent portfolios that surround the smartphone. Obviously, smart, the smartphone is going to be the Swiss army knife of the 21st century and already is, and, and becoming more so. And as a result, there is a almost a land grab for the various kind of more elemental patents at intellectual property that undergrid that platform. Uh, so to, to just summarize my answer, I think that this will broaden the landscape of competition. It may open uh, the landscape a little bit more. You mentioned Nokia and, and Microsoft. Clearly, they have their own Uh, operating systems for the smartphone own hardware, and uh, they may be kind of waiting on the edges, but it is pretty clear that the dominant, at least right now, it's the Android versus the Apple operating system. So this is why it was billed, I think, the the, uh, trial of the century as a result of the two large uh, manufacturers going head to head in this battle.
0: And so, you don't think this is necessarily going to mean that immediately Nokia is going to sort of elbow, Nokia and Microsoft are going to sort of elbow Samsung HTC and Google's Android out of kind of that number, well, number one space actually, since Apple's really number two.
1: That's right, that's right. I think that this, uh, so no, I don't think that this is going to uh, radically re- uh, reconfigure the landscape. Uh, because it takes, in in this kind of platform-oriented competitive space, there tends to be tipping points, and there has to be enough critical mass of users, a developer community, um, and support by the companies to really enable the critical mass, because people are not necessarily just looking at today's functionality. They're trying to anticipate the functioning functionality down the road as they decide to adopt one platform or or another. And so while I think that there's going to have to be some redesign, not only on the smartphone market, but also on the tablet market where these operating systems naturally share uh, common code, I think that uh, what we're going to see is there's going to be, if anything, perhaps more creative or innovative effort by the manufacturers of the Android platform to try to differentiate themselves um, and but I do think that there there's a window now a little bit of a window of opportunity for Microsoft and Nokia to uh, to take take advantage of this uh, of this uh, particular event whether or not they'll be able to successfully navigate that obviously remains to be seen but I do think I do think that it does present Uh, a little window of opportunity, but I don't see it radically remaking the landscape.
0: Now, you had just talked a little bit about, I mean, this kind of forcing people to be a little more innovative with the design of the phones and with the technology. But I mean, I guess patents are supposed to encourage innovation, but do you feel like, I mean, cases like this, I mean, where it seems like some of the things that were in disputes just seem to be so, like, I mean, even from the shape of the phone to sort of the tweaking motion that you make to make things bigger or smaller. I mean, do you think there comes a point where, I mean, patents end up doing the opposite and sort of hindering innovation? And do you think we've kind of reached that point here with kind of this smartphone patent land grab that's going on?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty... uh, So let me try to lay out the arguments on both sides. I think that uh, on the one hand, you could certainly think about companies like Apple who spent many years coming up with the perfect design that might appeal to the users and trying to protect that and trying to blockade any efforts and even going, even though a billion dollar judgment seems large, that's just, of course, just a drop in the bucket here. And so it's much more about the symbolic value of what Apple is doing despite the judge uh, urging the CEOs of Samsung and, and Apple to try to come to a private settlement. Apple wasn't, interested in that, of course, because they wanted to uh, assert uh, and, and send send a signal to the broader market about uh, trying to protect their efforts. It is true, and I think that the Samsung um, team tried to make these arguments about, well, should it really be the case that um, the casing, the rounded corners on the rectangle, the spacing between icons on the grid should be protected And we have to to keep in mind that there's this distinction between the design patents and the utility patents. The utility patents are much more about the functionality. The design is just about the non-functional elements. And so these things come together as a package to the consumer. And I think that, as you kind of hint, I think we are treading a line a bit in terms of how much protection should we as a society give to uh, the innovators. And we should think about innovation very broadly, not just in the technical sense, but here broadened out to the design sense, balanced against a free market economy in which uh, there is healthy competition that can uh, observe market signals, try to build on top of what's already been done, and basically unlock more value for consumers. And so it is, uh, as I pitched it before, I think before now design patents were thought to be fairly ineffective, um, not really enforceable. Utility patents have always been, that's been uh, kind of uh, a domain where companies have really tried to be both offensive and defensive in, in the patent space. And so this judgment, I think, will give companies and managers a, a reason to start thinking about design as the basis of protection. And to your, to your broader question, though, of is this good or bad for society, I think it always has to be a balancing act. And whether or not these particular, uh, these particular patents being enforced this way will kind of send a chilling to a chilling signal to the rest of the market remains to be seen because remember, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is one trial, Apple and Samsung have something like 19 or 20 trials around the world slated. Of course, this judgment will impact um, how Samsung will put forward their products as well as those of the Android system, but there remains on this case an appeal that's looming as well as many other uh, jury trials that will be in different jurisdictions around the world. And so I think that this is not necessarily just the beginning, but it's not, I don't think, close to the end in terms of this this patent war.
0: Yeah, I I think I had read that Samsung has said, you know, they're willing to take this all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary.
1: Yeah, so I think that the this will be an actually an interesting test case for many creative industries, not just electronics or information technology. I alluded to design, fashion, uh, product product design, industrial design. All these things are tend to be converging and increasingly are differentiated. If you can't differentiate necessarily, particularly so in the in the Android case, where everyone all those manufacturers of the Android devices are basically taking the operating system from Google and trying to differentiate on the hardware. I think that design, and as Apple has shown repeatedly, users care not just about the raw technical horsepower of the product, but also how they interact with it. And so, um, my interpretation of this case is much more about what it, the implications for the design community and protection of of uh, creative uh, advances thought very broadly, not just in the technical space. Mm
0: -hmm. So now, I mean, Apple is the winner in the court of law for now, at least. But what about, I mean, what about the court of, I guess, consumer perception? I mean, do you see this, how do you see this affecting Apple in that case, and maybe also Samsung or some of the other players here?
1: Yeah, I I think it brings up a point that I should have probably mentioned earlier, which is that these product life cycles tend to be fairly quick. We're used to these, uh, a new iPhone every year. And while they're not completely abandoning some of the core design, it's not like some other industries in which one design will rule for decades and decades. And so you wonder why did Apple and Samsung basically take this all the way to the fi- a final judgment. And part of it was the signaling value, uh, and particularly so since it's likely that the design a couple years from now will be obsolete. And so I think that in terms of public sentiment, I, I think this could, Apple has to be a little bit careful. I think this can work both ways. On the one hand, uh, there could be a little bit of a backlash saying uh, from the users about, well, I actually prefer, for example, an Android platform and Apple is trying to assert these rights about how things are laid out, the, the physical kind of form uh, of the product in, in ways that aren't necessarily novel or deserve um, patent protection. And so they could be more willing to experiment with some of these other platforms, Nokia, Microsoft, et cetera. On the other hand, I guess I I, I could see a a case for for perhaps some users um, acknowledging that Apple did spend quite a bit of effort um, and detail on the design as well as the functionality, and they should be rewarded for that. Obviously, now Apple has a a blockbuster set of years in terms of their performance in the stock market and the value of their company, Um, and so there is this danger that maybe they're gonna be perceived as, in some sense, the next Microsoft, trying to come up with one innovation and then trying to blockade everyone and trying to not uh, allow competitors to come in and, and innovate. And so I think there's this double-edged sword uh, phenomenon that, that, that could work here. And so uh, Apple has to, as they've been doing, continue this, this pace of innovation um, and and so, as I said before, it is this de- the delicate balancing act between trying to protect versus trying to innovate and allowing others to come in as well to try to uh, push the envelope forward. I
0: mean, do you feel like this case represents maybe a new strategy going forward for Apple, and if so, I mean, does it put in danger sort of, I mean, one of the things that Apple's always sort of been able to capitalize on is sort of, at least recently, I mean, it's kind of this sort of cool aesthetic that's kind of attached to Apple devices. And if the company is now maybe seen, you know, I mean, do you think the company going into more of protectionist mode puts that into in danger at all?
1: Yeah, I think that there's there's many. Um, it, that's the danger of being now the, the market leader. You be, all of a sudden become uh, the target of all types of of consumer sediment, and uh, that was certainly true when uh, kind of Microsoft ruled the day and I think for for Apple, there has to as I, I mentioned before, I think there has to be um, you know this is a company that obviously stresses industrial design as well as the functionality and obsessing over the details. and I think consumers have clearly appreciated that. And I'm sympathetic to this argument that well, now that we've been so successful in the market, companies like Samsung coming in and just basically taking taking everything that we've done a lot of experimentation on doesn't seem fair. Uh, But on the other hand, I think as these types of cases get sharper in the courts of law in terms of protectability versus not, we're going to, on different functionality and various design. I think we're going to get sharper on what is allowable versus not. Before, it hasn't been such a, such a big high-stake type of enterprise, and so now I think the, the landscape has a bit shifted. But in terms of the overall corporate image, it's pretty clear that Apple Apple's brand and what it means as a brand to consumers is quite valuable. And so the, this Litigation, I think, is an effort to try to, uh, in accordance with the, the late founder of the company, I think, is really trying to um, defend itself there. But I think, as you allude to, there is this danger that if they become perceived as a litigious company or if if that part or that culture of the company crowds out the more innovative, creative, design-oriented side of things, then obviously becomes problematic for Apple. They don't want to lose uh... what's been at the core of their identity and what's uh... caused them to become the world's most valuable company
0: david thank you so much for talking with us today i really appreciate it okay thank you thanks hi andrea we'll start by asking you the same question that we asked david Um, could you talk about who are the key winners and losers in this case
2: the winners and losers in this decision still remain to be determined The commentary that's been running in the press and in academic circles is uh, frankly a little divided. Um, On the one hand, um, the uh, commentators and academics who are very supportive of patent holder rights view this as a strong win for Apple. Um, However, uh, of course, the decision is likely to be appealed, and so the ultimate outcome with respect to the damages awards and the crafting of the uh, decision itself may come under scrutiny at a higher level. On the other hand, we have some commentators who are pointing to Samsung uh, getting an indirect kind of market-based win in this case, uh, with some uh, press accounts highlighting uh, a kind of de facto comparison of similarity between the products that Apple and Samsung is offering, and that some consumers may view this, in essence, as a court saying, hey, these are functionally equivalent products, and then the consumers look to the price point and recognize that one is significantly less expensive than the other. Um, However, I think the big picture questions that are perhaps most interesting um, with respect to this case are the questions about... Um, the identity crisis that exists in the US patent system and the conversation that we need to have as society about what it is that we're trying to achieve in our models of innovation and in our intellectual property law. There were many different bases for uh, Apple's assertion that Samsung was infringing on its intellectual property rights, utility patent arguments, trade dress arguments they really ran the gamut. And the way that these legal rights are constructed is somewhat problematic. And when we're talking about patent reform, as we are these days in Congress and in society as a whole, this case really kind of uh, brings to the fore and uh, encapsulates some of these legal and policy discussions about different models of innovation and what we're trying to achieve when we are affording certain individuals' rights to enforce um, limited access to their creations, and uh, on the other hand, we have other companies or individuals who are uh, leveraging that existing knowledge perhaps uh, overly aggressively, but nevertheless leveraging that existing knowledge to bring new products to market and potentially offer more choices to the consumer in the marketplace. So this is a broader social conversation that needs to happen. And that's the big takeaway here, that the law and social policy and innovation is confused. And this is just the first round of this broader battle that's going to be playing out over many years to come.
0: Mm -hmm. Now tell me, I mean, the idea behind patents, I mean, as I understand it, is that they're supposed to encourage innovation. I mean, do you feel like as it stands now and as reflected by this case that that's what's being accomplished? Or do you think it's gotten to the point where now the opposite is taking place where it's actually hurting innovation.
2: So that's the big debate that we need to have as a society. On the one hand, certainly in some cases, affording a patent holder the right to defend the created work product means that perhaps more research and development will happen in some cases because individuals will be motivated by the desire for financial gain and to be able to control the the creations that they're making. However, on the other hand, we also know from the creativity theory research that many people create not because they're seeking financial rewards. They create for other reasons. So this uh, bigger picture question of what we're trying to accomplish with our legal regimes and whether we're accomplishing those goals, that's what I'm really uh, highlighting in this case. The patent system has also evolved across time to include what some commentators view to be problematic players. Patent trolls, for example. People who aren't really using the inventions for which they hold patents, but they nevertheless seek to enforce the rights that pertain uh, in connection with their, their granted patents. So some commentators view these patent trolls as being part of the problem. And although they technically have the legal rights to enforce these patents, they're not necessarily adding value to the, the business place because they're not bringing new products to market. They're not really actively using the rights that they hold to research and develop in new directions.
0: Now, some of these—I mean, some of the patents that were at issue in the Apple-Samsung case—I mean, to an outsider like me, kind of seeming, you know, somewhat trivial. I mean, like the shape of the icons, the way you move right. your fingers when you zoom in, the shape of the phone. I mean, do you feel like is this sort of another form of kind of patent trollism? I mean, is there a point at which these patents are just for such a minor thing that it's really becoming pretty unuseful or it's really blocking people from creating? So that's the
2: the debate that I'm pointing to, that you have these different overlapping legal, legal categories of potentially protectable interests, and it's not clear which of these categories necessarily pertain in all cases. There's a debate over whether the way that uh, technology-related patents are currently granted is simply not sustainable in the long term. There's a debate over whether the types of patents that you're pointing to, the the utility and design patents, whether those should even be protectable through patent law. Maybe they're better protectable through copyright, or maybe they're better protectable through trade dress. It's not clear that we have optimized the balance between giving innovators the right to defend their products and simultaneously offering the marketplace more product choice by allowing for building off of those products. Another interesting wrinkle in this particular relationship, apart from the fact that these two parties, Apple and Samsung, have. Uh, approximately fifty rounds of litigation going on in various different forums throughout the world so this battle is an epic one that spans continents not merely in the u.s. courts Uh, apart from the drama of the scope of this legal battle there was a failed attempt to license some of these technologies that existed prior to the, the filing of some of the litigation So we have this uh, discussion also in terms of should we be encouraging parties to um, collaborate more and to share their technologies and are there ways to create incentives for licensing of technology rather than having uh, the result of tension uh, in the technology space, end up in the courts. It's not always a socially or even individually efficient solution to have people going to court all the time. Lawyers are expensive. Judicial um, resolution of these kinds of questions takes time. And ultimately, is that time that maybe we should uh, refocus toward more R&D and more innovation and streamlining the squabbles that exist between uh, players in this space? through encouraging licensing and sharing of research uh, rather than creating legal incentives for people to uh, want to duke it out in courts at law.
0: I mean, do you feel like there's the will in at least the tech industry to even do that? Because I think I read that, I mean, in this case that the judge actually urged Apple and Samsung to kind of work this out outside the courts, and they declined to do so, or that Apple declined to do so, I think. Yes,
2: and so this demonstrates the reality of when tensions run high, um, companies or individuals don't necessarily uh, see it to be in their best interest to be accommodating of each other and to want to resolve battles. Um, Press reports indicate that Steve Jobs was very upset over uh, the emergence of, um, for example, some Google products, and viewed it as uh, almost a, a personal betrayal and that, uh, by press accounts, he was, quote, ready to go thermonuclear on, on this uh, situation. And so when you have um, inventors' emotions wrapped up in uh, legal battles um, or really in, in almost any business scenario, it's not always the case that parties will act in their economic best interests. Uh, Humans are not always rational and predictable creatures, and so uh, that has to be factored in when we are analyzing optimal regimes for incentivizing innovation. The other moving piece in this litigation that many press accounts have highlighted, and in particular as jurors are being interviewed by the press, um, it's becoming uh, evident, that the jury deliberations that happened in this case, although perhaps they weren't unusual in terms of the quality of deliberation that happens in various uh, jury cases, nevertheless there is concern that they were a bit rushed and that the jurors um, did not necessarily fully process the information at the high level of analytical specificity that certainly legal experts would have preferred. And some of the comments that the jurors are sharing with the press um, tend to indicate that perhaps there was a desire to punish uh, Samsung rather than to, um, to obtain redress for Apple for real economic harms that they had suffered. And that, again, calls into question the broader structure of um, the way that we resolve intellectual property disputes particularly in technology contexts. The question of whether code, computer code, is even patentable subject matter is up for grabs right now in terms of the way the different courts are analyzing questions and legal commentators expect to see more action in this space, potentially resulting in the Supreme Court ultimately accepting a case for resolution.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, to move away from the patent question a little bit. I mean, I guess Apple is the victor in court for now, at least. But what about, I mean, what about the court of public perception? How do you think this affects consumer perception of the companies involved, the players involved with this?
2: So that's a great question. As I I mentioned in the beginning of my comments, there is some discussion uh, of whether this legal process has highlighted the similarity between uh, the Apple and the Samsung product. And maybe some consumers will, in fact, consider a Samsung product now when they would not have in the past. Other consumers might perceive Apple to be acting as a bit of a bully by using courts rather than R&D labs to continue to innovate, so some consumers might perceive. Um, And some consumers might uh, argue that um, even if there is uh, a recognition of uh, a particularly useful mechanism such as the Pension zoom method, that we want to have other companies model that um, winning development and to build on each other's knowledge and bring more products into the market. So I think consumer reaction will be mixed. Now, of course, there's a very strong uh, Apple fanboy dynamic in the consumer marketplace as well. So um, Apple supporters will undoubtedly uh, be very pleased with, with this result. Uh, I think it's a mixed bag all around, and we will have to take uh, a look again and revisit these questions in about two or three years to see how the big picture has evolved in this space.
0: Now, do you feel like, I mean, you mentioned kind of the Apple fanboy group. I I mean, one of the things that Apple has always sort of been able to capitalize on in this space is kind of the sort of cool, cachet aesthetic that people sort of feel when they have an Apple product. I mean, does the company maybe being viewed now as maybe sort of a bully or taking sort of a more of a protectionist strategy? I mean, does that put that in danger? And if that's the case, I mean, how does that impact the company overall? Because that seems like something they've always been able to capitalize on, at least in recent years.
2: For some consumers, this is certainly a a concern. Um, In particular, if Uh, Consumers are purchasing Apple products because of the cachet of uh, the design elements and this um, assumption and the benefit of the doubt that the Apple product is going to be fundamentally better designed than other products. By highlighting similarities in design, you are introducing facts that may temper that emotionally driven cachet for some consumers. Um, Consumers might assume the superiority of the Apple product, but when uh, litigation happens and other facts are introduced demonstrating functional or visual similarity, that may cause some consumers to second-guess their um, bias toward buying an, an Apple product. Another concern in this dynamic is that because of Uh, Samsung's stronger position in the emerging Chinese market, that perhaps Apple is considering a loss of market share in that market to warrant adopting a slightly more aggressive litigation strategy. Um, So although the cachet dynamics are certainly in play, there are likely also additional uh, practical business concerns about entering new markets and building up existing markets that are factoring into Apple's calculations in whether and how aggressively to litigate in this space. Mm
0: -hmm. And now finally, I mean, what do you think, I mean, both this case and also the fact, I mean, that this is just one of a number of patent-related lawsuits, patent-related plays. I mean, for example, Google's purchase of Motorola Mobility. I mean, what do you think all of this means for the future of, I mean, I guess, smartphone design and also tablet design, since that's also at issue in many of these cases?
2: There's speculation that exists in the press, uh, in part because of uh, what has been reported to be personal animosity that existed uh, between Steve Jobs and Google, that um, the ultimate um, target or goal, perhaps, of Apple's uh, aggressive litigation posture is to uh, ultimately go after Google Android, um, which has been building... Uh, market share very aggressively, and so through uh, um, attacking or highlighting uh, the manufacturers of the physical hardware upon which Android runs, that it is a way to undercut or slow down Android adoption throughout um, the marketplace. Um, So the, the exact contours of the strategy and Apple's future relationship to Google are certainly Um, two of the most interesting moving pieces in this broader conversation.
0: Andrea, thanks so much for talking with us. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.